Welcome to the Jazz Shapers podcast from Mishkondorea. What you're about to hear was originally broadcast on Jazz FM. However, the music has been cut or shortened due to rights issues. This is Jazz Shapers with Elliot Moss on Jazz FM. Listening colour. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. Welcome to Jazz Shapers, where the shapers of business join the shapers of jazz, soul and blues. Our guest today is Danny Reimer, a partner at Index Ventures, the venture capital firm helping entrepreneurs turn bold ideas into global businesses. Danny joined Index Ventures in 2002, with the firm founded by his brothers Neil and David and a third business partner, Giuseppe Zocco, back in 1996. Danny established the firm's office in London, then San Francisco, and current investments include First Dibs, Discourse, Farfetch, Good Egg, Grailed and Scoop, to name but a few. Previously, Danny's been general partner of venture capital firm The Barksdale Group and a director of, amongst others, Betfair, Dropbox, Etsy and Sky and formerly on the board of trustees at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art and Maggie Centres, which provide, if you don't know, free support to people with cancer and their families. Danny once said he thinks you can figure out if an entrepreneur is going to build a great rocket ship business within the first 15 minutes of meeting them. We'll find out how he manages to do that in just a few minutes' time. Hello. Hi there. It's great to see you. Thank you so much for coming. I've heard lots about you because, um, as we were saying just before we turned the things on, um, it's a small world. And the world of putting money into businesses and business founders and helping things flourish is, is, is specialised. Tell me how you got into this crazy world 16 years ago. And I know you were doing a bunch of stuff before that, but just tell me about the Index Ventures beginning. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It is a small community. uh, And what's amazing is that it's a small community across continents. I I got involved because essentially I had come to the realization that I just wanted to help entrepreneurs and I wanted to get closer and closer to the source of actually the creation of companies and creation of entrepreneurialism. So I moved out of banking and then uh, where I was in equity research, and then I, I tried to work with some operators who actually run and build companies and thought they would be great venture capitalists, and then concluded that actually the best way was to join folks who were, like me, more interested in helping entrepreneurs rather than, uh, rather than operators or entrepreneurs themselves. Now, um, the accent gives something away. But though we'll talk about geography, I think it's an interesting thing to me about where you've lived and also where you were born and so on. Canadian? Originally Canadian. I was born there and my parents moved to Geneva uh, when I was nine months old. So I have the passport, which is really nice for uh, U.S. immigration, but actually I've never lived in Canada. And in terms of the the San Francisco piece, because you opened the office for Index Ventures in San Fran, um, that happened roughly when? 2011. 2011. Okay. So for nine years, your first nine years at Index Ventures, you were based in London? I was based in London and doing an awful lot of flights back and forth. Now, I should actually ask you, just in your own words, describe Index Ventures to me and then those people listening who won't know exactly what it is. I guess the world of venture capital has gotten better known in Europe. Uh, It sometimes is confused with Dragon's Den, uh, the thought of, you know, you have these these people who have these stacks of money and they're doing a favor to entrepreneurs by giving them that money. But actually, our approach is totally different, which is 
you know, we have to convince the entrepreneur that by taking our money, they're going to get an incredible amount of service uh, that will make their enterprise a lot more successful. So that's what we started off with, taking that Silicon Valley style approach and uh, applying it to Europe. And so Index started with those roots, uh, a bunch of Europeans trying to adapt Silicon Valley style investing to Europe, and then from there realized that in order to make our European entrepreneurs as successful as possible, we were going to have to open a West Coast office so that we could help them be successful in the U.S. And as a result of that, we had to do what we ask our entrepreneurs to do, which is move ourselves rather than hire someone to to pitch a flag and say that there are index ventures in the U.S. And just to give a flavor, and we'll be talking a lot more about this, the kinds of businesses that you've been involved in, Deliveroo, is in there. Farfetch is in there. Give me a couple of your other highlights. And I know you're going to say, but all my businesses are highlights, Elliot. But I know with that aside. You're absolutely right. I know. They're all your um, children. Let's see. There's, you know, what's interesting about us, I guess, is that we do both enterprise businesses as well as consumer businesses. So other consumer businesses are Candy Crush, Clash of Clans, Net-A-Porte, uh, Revolut, a company called Robinhood, which is a free brokerage account in the U.S., and, and then on the enterprise side, Dropbox. Let's see, there are, there are a number of them. There are a number of them. We're going to come back, but there's some big names for you just to give a flavour of the billions of pounds that have been invested over many, many years. You went to work with your brothers. Yeah. Often I meet people in family businesses. Yours is a little bit bigger than that in the sense that, yes, you have family principles, ALS. I'm sure you have family principles, LES as well. But tell me a little bit about what it's like to work with family and what that experience has been for you. I mean, it's been a blast. So... The idea of being able to have um, some family members that are part of a partnership, there's really no further control that we have. We're just uh, at some at one point we were three of seven partners and now we're two brothers of of nine partners. It's fun. Um, it doesn't really change a whole lot except that it means that you trust the person uh, wholeheartedly and there's a lot less, I think, business politics or company politics. So that's that's what, at least what we enjoy, but also what the partners who have joined and everyone who works at Index really talks about is that it, it creates a different type of atmosphere. And I imagine, yeah, that's quite real. It's like sitting around the table having dinner or lunch. It's the same thing. You're not pretending that you're doing some kind of job. This is just what you guys do. That's what we do. And we, we love it. And you know, the fact that, yeah, you can actually try and build something with someone that you love or many members of your family that you love creates the right atmosphere. So you end up being very close to not only them, but the other partners who come along because you're expecting to be super close to them and you're in it together. You know, the venture world, we we just talked about a number of hits that we've had. But let me tell you, for every one of those hits, there are great entrepreneurs who have worked with us and they have been significant failures. So sometimes it's you need, you need a, a group around you who are going to commiserate and have the right approach to that. These failures, just for a moment, obviously um, it does from the outside world look glossy and like a, a kind of a Sky Atlantic you know, documentary. Here's another person that Index <clears throat> Ventures have picked up and, and they've invested in. When it goes wrong... How do you as a group manage that? And, and um, is that emotionally hard as well as financially hard? Yeah, it's uh, absolutely. It's hard in both dimensions. It's a sort of uh, contract and pact that you have with the entrepreneur that when uh, they accept to take your money, you're going to do everything you can in your power to help them along the road and make it a success. 
And not only is the individual partner who's on the company's board really committed, but so is the rest of the partnership. So when it goes wrong, it is indeed emotional for sure. Mm -hmm. But it's also the reality of the situation. And I was referring to before that prior to joining Index, I worked with these great operators. One guy had run Federal Express. Another one had been the CFO of of AT&T. And I thought that great operators would be great venture partners because they know how to operate businesses and lead and could provide a lot of counsel. But the reality is an operator just wants to keep on hacking away until they make it a success. And as a venture capitalist, you know, we have a portfolio and we have to figure out when it's time to look at the entrepreneur in the eyes and say, look, I love what you're doing. We've tried really hard. We've learned a lot. There are great members of the team, but let's either use the last money in the tank that we have to try something completely different, or let's just call it quits and think about something else that we should do. And those are really tough conversations. Behind that is the flip of this, which is picking winners. And this isn't a gambling shop where we're looking at horses and we know a little bit about horses, much more than that. If there were three things that you look for as you look in the eyes of the entrepreneur at the beginning of the process, not the end where you're saying, listen, it's just not going to work or congratulations, we've just done X, Y, and Z. What would be the top three things? And I'm sure there are more than three, but for you. Yeah, I mean, Elliot, as you mentioned, it's uh, you, you started off with the people. So it is fundamentally going to be about the entrepreneur more than anything else. Really, it's trying to understand the entrepreneur, what's mm. driving them. A big question there is what's the level of passion has this person been placed on this earth as far as they're concerned to disrupt this industry you know is it bothering them so much that the status quo is so terrible for the customer that they have to explode it and start over and that's what we saw with jose from farfetch you know the guy was a shoe manufacturer in porto portugal who had taught himself how to use a computer and he looked at the industry and said my god this is just terrible across the board we have to rethink this industry because it's, as he always talks about, it's a beautiful industry, hmm. but we have to rethink of it from the ground up and start over using technology. And so his passion was clear that he was going to try and make this successful and go through ups and downs no matter what. Conversely, sometimes an entrepreneur will come in and say, this is a beautiful business and if we just work on this for three, four years, I know I can sell it to Google or Amazon or Facebook. They're gonna, it's just such a valuable asset that this is going to be a success story and it's going to be a great return. And those folks, we say, thanks very much, but you're going to have to find another partner because fundamentally, you can't really build something of, of substance if your desire or your goal is to sell it. It's just not going to happen. I mean, it might happen. You might be incredibly lucky and certainly luck is in every one of these situations. But to expect that you're going to build something and package it up nicely so that someone else is going to buy it is super unrealistic. Stay with me for more from my business shaper. That's Danny Reimer here. He's partnered in Next Ventures. And apparently, Danny, one of the best bits of advice you were given was from your mother who said, be passionate about whatever you do. And that's just come out in the last answer to go. my question. Yeah. There you go. He's on message. Very good. Stay with me here on Jazz Shapers <laughs> and Jazz FM. Um, uh, much more, as I said, from Danny come up in a couple of minutes. But first, some words of wisdom for your business, your burgeoning business, I hope, uh, from our program partners at Mishkondorea. <laughs> Hi, my name's Nadim Mir and I'm a partner at Mishkondorea in the private equity team. 
A key thing to be thinking about if you are looking to raise funds is, given that it is maybe less difficult than it used to be to raise the money, if you do have a good growth story, then actually you are in a pretty good position to maybe be a bit more choosy as to who you partner with. Um, and I think a key thing to remember is that when you go into this relationship with an investor or group of investors, you do need to see it as very much like a relationship. It is effectively a marriage of sorts. And obviously we know the best sorts of marriages tend to be the ones where both sides uh, go in with their eyes open um, and they're both supportive parties to, uh, to the marriage um, and where people think they can work well together. So it's not necessarily about the party that's going to leave you with the most equity or the one with the biggest checkbook. It's about the party who you are going to get on well with, work well with, and hopefully, and say, live happily ever after with. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business but it's personal. There are many ways for you to enjoy all our former Jazz Shapers and indeed hear this programme again. You can ask Alexa to play Jazz Shapers and there you can hear many of the recent programmes or if you pop Jazz Shapers into iTunes or your preferred podcast platform, you can enjoy the full archive and I think there are around 350. But back to today's guest, it's Danny Reimer, partner at Index Ventures, the people behind the people who are doing interesting things and these people do interesting things to make sure they can do interesting things, these entrepreneurs. We've been talking about backing winners the other thing implicit in that is, firstly, as you said, knowing to have the next conversation, the difficult one, which is, thank you very much, we're not going to go any further. But there must be other things in between that where you have to exercise a lot of patience. Tell me about patience and your attitude towards it, because it strikes me behind the scenes and behind you biting nails and everything else, you're actually very calm. You strike me as a calm kind of guy. Thank you. Obviously, you're just acting it's really clearly, well. <laughs> it's clearly the jet lag. It's not true. Um, but, but seriously, that, that, that kind of sense of, uh, uh, of perspective that you need to bring, how do you ensure that you hold the line? I mean, my, my wife is a yoga teacher. I read that. She, you know, so obviously some of it is rubbing off. To your point about patience, it's sort of a strange thing because I think being a venture capitalist, it's the perfect job for someone who's got ADD. You know, you're constantly looking and juggling different businesses, different people, figuring out how much to spend time sourcing new deals, how much time to spend on the existing companies, how many, how much time to recruit great people for those companies, because fundamentally it's all about people. So it really lends itself to folks who have difficulty being very monotracked, but rather really enjoy having multiple balls in the air all at the same time, all at different levels of success or failure. That's on the one hand. In terms of the entrepreneur, one has to have a lot of patience because obviously they're the ones driving the bus. So, you know, as much great advice as I might have, uh, the reality is sometimes it will sink in, sometimes it won't, but they're going to have to make those decisions. So sometimes it's a question of, sort of highlighting through pattern recognition and instinct what you've seen before and how you think this might be a, an accident about to happen, mm. but having to wait until they actually 
get into that accident themselves or to realize it, or fix it before it happens. That's right. And that that brings me on to the craft skill again. There's um, it's a pretty op- opaque thing from the outside in terms of what exactly do venture capitalists do. You kind of know that sometimes they do it well, and sometimes they don't. You've you've touched on a few of those things, but the craft skill at the at the heart of it. You talk about advice. Is it is it the pattern recognition piece? Is it the people skills? Is it the understanding how to read the numbers? Is it all of those things? And what else is it if it's not just those things? So I think it's a combination of all those things. I think that uh, part of the job is that you're never, I mean, I certainly don't feel like I'm really fantastic at my craft. It's something that is always humbling. Um, You've had so, a very shabby record. I mean, I must go. admit, Danny, in those ventures, it's just not successful. No, enough. no, no. But it, it really is one of these things where there isn't a there isn't a specific approach that you can take. It really depends on the individual. Um, certainly, uh, when it comes to me, as you can tell, a lot of it is about trying to figure out the entrepreneur, trying to figure out whether they really have that deep knowledge and interest and mindset to be strategic about the industry and whether or not we're going to be able to work together because it's a long ride to make it successful. I mean, sometimes you might have companies who do well in a very short period of time. I mean, we invested in Skype way back when, and in two years, it was a phenomenal outcome for us um, and, of course, the entrepreneurs. But sometimes it takes a long time. I mean, it can take 12, 15 years. We just took... uh, Sonos Public, mm. which you might be familiar with. I might have in my house. Right on. Very exciting. Thank you. And I operate it from my phone <clears throat> and my iPad. It's very, very good. It's very there cool. you go. It's an amazing we were, business. Yeah. So we were we were in that for 15 years. You know, my, my partner, Mike Volpe, has been working with the founder for a long time and then the new CEO for the last three, four years. So it takes a lot, a lot of time. But as long as you keep on seeing the success, you're certainly not going to call it quits. You just want to double down. These journeys, have, as I was I've been talking to you, and you said I'm I'm Canadian, but I lived in Geneva. I then been in London. I go to San Fran. I wanted to pick this up. Is the your movement around the world and your vista as kind of an outsider very useful for you? Have you thought about that consciously? Yeah, it's a really critical uh, part of our of our approach and my personal approach, but. Uh, yeah, the outsider is a really good term because for us, uh, we sort of feel like what's difficult is to make sure that you have perspective and you're able to not only have perspective with respect to an industry and with respect to what can work, but also uh, with respect to the entrepreneur because you're working with them. So we view the outsider element really good. You know, in, in the US, folks think that we're we're Euros. And in Europe, they think that we're American. And in both cases, we're really comfortable with the cultures in which we operate. But we also like the fact that it's not our culture, so that we can have a little distance from it and try and understand uh, what works. So that was actually one of the tougher parts for me about living in Silicon Valley is that it's really such a one industry town and everyone is in tech. You know, you get up in the morning and you go into a coffee shop and they're talking about startups and you see people that you know and then you drop off kids at school and you meet entrepreneurs or bankers. It was a movie, Danny. Like, I told you, you, you were in a movie. There I can see go. it now. There's Mr. Yeah, Armory's there, moving yeah. around. Hey, Danny. No, no, it's true for everyone in Silicon Valley. Yeah. So it actually, you know, being in a place like London, 
where you know a lot of people don't necessarily know or care about venture capital and tech startups is actually very refreshing and helpful for what we're trying to accomplish. And yet the flip of that, of course, is that that space you get as an outsider, and I'd lived abroad for a few years in India and Mexico, you see things with different eyes because it's not your world, which is very, very useful for for perspective. The other thing I read about one of your favorite bits of advice was from um, Jim Barksdale, who was the founder of the Barksdale Group, which is where you were. He said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. So the flip of that is I imagine that sense that you have to keep that entrepreneur focused is critical. How do you do that? Well, I use that expression quite often with entrepreneurs. So you're I've been right stalking to pick it you, up. Danny. I've been stalking you. No, no, no. So he was the guy who ran FedEx um, and then ran Netscape. And uh, yeah, he's a he's an amazing individual. But I think uh, I think it's a, a lot of a lot of my job is to make sure that we're lucky enough that the entrepreneurs that we work with are super talented, and we're lucky enough that oftentimes their businesses are going really well. And so sometimes they have to. We have to help them separate a great business from great execution. A good example of this is obviously Google is probably the best business that's ever been created. It's not like Google's marketing has been epic. It's been an afterthought, and I'm going to get into trouble for this, but it's been a result of a great service, which is true for a lot of our companies. Probably Apple is the exception. And so oftentimes what it means is that the businesses are great and the execution can always be better. And so a way of making sure that execution is as good as it should be is to make sure that the entrepreneurs and their teams don't get distracted, but keep on doing a phenomenal job at the core service, the core thing that they promise to the customer. Stay with me for my final chat with Danny Reimer, and you'll hear some more really good advice if you're thinking about doing your own thing or you're thinking about investing in someone else's thing. We'll also be playing a track from James Brown. And that's coming up in just a moment here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. would jazz shapers be without james brown that was james brown with every day i have the blues danny reimer is my business shaper and i'm really pleased it's him because it kind of brings a lot of themes together that we've been covering on the program um not least of which focus um and uh, and being as you said danny delivering on the core don't forget deliver on the core service advertising can be peripheral and lipstick on the pig doesn't always do much good if the pig is indeed a pig what are you driven by at this point in your career again you strike me as a humble guy and it doesn't look like the money drives you but the money's there you've made a lot of other people a lot of money you've made the business has made money how does that therefore figure in your as you look at what success constitutes what does Danny Reimer say success constitutes for you that's a profound question well success has many I mean has many parts obviously the family part which probably is the most important and then from a business part is how to make sure that Index as a firm is the number one partner to the entrepreneurs in the future, that the folks who have this 
this passion, this driving desire to upset industries and come up with much better solutions are going to call us first for being their partner and building those businesses. And I think why that's important is because the status quo is just not good enough. Really, all businesses have to be disrupted and have to come up with better solutions for everyone, not just the customer, but also for the employees and for the employers. And making sure that we can come up with something that will last the test of time, that's not been a waste. That's probably the most interesting part, I think. The entrepreneurs who usually come see us and work with us have a bigger agenda than what they're doing. And those agendas are really pretty significant. The guy from Patreon, I don't know if you if you picked up on that. Patreon's this unbelievable company that's trying to match creators with their fans. And so, you know, you don't have to be an incredibly successful top of the pops artist to actually have a great career in the arts. And Patreon was started by this very successful artist who was in the band called Pomplamoose. And he decided that instead of being a YouTube creator that had a successful career on the road and on his YouTube channel, he was going to build this business that was going to try and change the way that artists can pursue their passion and make their interest their career. This year alone, he's going to raise or Patreon is going to raise over a half a billion dollars for these creators across the planet. So the implications are not just for artists on a small scale. The implications are for everyone and for sort of taking that Medici you know, Renaissance concept and democratizing it. Mm. So those types of opportunities are really are really rewarding to be to be helpful in in creating. Well, genuinely transformational. I mean, the world won't be the same after that if it That's goes right. to plan. It, and, and that makes me just think of my last question before we we ask you um, about your music. This space of time that Index Ventures has been in existence twenty two years now, give or take. If you'd have set this business up in nineteen eighty and technology wasn't where it was. What would Index Ventures have been focusing on? Because it strikes me that this is an extraordinary time in the evolution and the history of of, of of people and of capitalism. And it's fundamentally different to anything that we grew up with as kids. Would it have even existed? Or do you think it existed because of the changing impact of technology? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Venture capital really started in the late 70s in Silicon Valley um, with the creation of Hewlett Packard. Uh, was probably the first venture-backed company by this guy named Arthur Rock. And so it was true in Silicon Valley, and I guess Boston also had some for, for life sciences. You know, the question is, could there have been this type of industry in Europe in the 1980s? And my sense is yes. You know, my sense is it was a different technology platform, and maybe the folks would have been older um, and would have had careers. You know, you're in some ways potentially more successful if you drop out of university and start companies this, these That's days. That's where it all started going wrong for me. Don't I you? know. I it seems, it seems pretty crazy, but <laughs> no, I, stay in school, folks, please. Uh, no, no, no. Wear, but, wear sunscreen. Exactly. Yeah. No, but I think obviously the folks then who were entrepreneurs were postdocs in, you know, semiconductors and engineering. And right now they're coming from all walks of life and are much younger. The cohort of entrepreneurs would have been different, but I think the skill and the venture capital approach would have been true 
we probably would have owned a lot more more of the company for a lot less money. <laughs> Listen, good luck for the next 22 years. Thank you. And it's been a real pleasure to talk to you. And, Thank you. It's and, been a lot of fun. And grab some proper insight as well. And people listening, I'm sure, would be appreciative of that as well. Just before I let you go, what's your song choice and why have you chosen it? So I chose The Falcon Flies Again by Brad Meldow on this uh, album called Highway Rider. And I think Brad Meldow is pretty much close to genius as far as i can tell you know as a as a jazz musician i'm a big fan of jazz hence i'm happy to be here he knows all the core jazz riffs but also has these incredible creations and highway rider is an album that tells a story and falcon flies again is one of my favorite tracks from the album but i'd recommend folks to listen to the entire thing was Brad Meldow with The Falcon Will Fly Again, the song choice of my business shaper today, Danny Reimer. He talked about passion and the importance of it. He talked about that the entrepreneur has to feel that the status quo is not good enough. And that finally, his build that he can bring in as the Index Ventures uh, venture capitalist is that the execution can always be better, regardless of just how good the idea or the business is. Really, really brilliant stuff. That's it from Jazz Shapers. Have a great weekend. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We hope you enjoyed that edition of Jazz Shapers. You'll find hundreds more guests available for you to listen to in our archive. To find out more, just search Jazz Shapers in iTunes or your favourite podcast platform or head over to mishkon.com forward slash jazz shapers.